0: Well, I welcome you here this morning, and I'm thankful you are with us. I invite you to turn with me to Colossians chapter 1, and we'll be starting really in the 13th verse and moving on through the 20th in this first section of this letter. Um, In recent years, and I'm sure beyond, but there just tends to be what I've noticed in uh, recent years there, there's always a conversation that's happening, and it specifically rises when you see, uh, at least in the world of sports, uh, people that seem to elevate the game in different ways, whether it be Tiger Woods at one point, or Jack Nicholas uh, before him, or uh, Serena Williams, or Michael Jordan, or LeBron James, or, you know, um, I think of... Uh, Randy Johnson versus Roger Clemens and, and different things. And you always start to do in, uh, in this thing, and you have conversations. Sports radio makes its life on these kind of conversations, but you get people together and they start talking and, you know, guys are watching games and, oh, yeah, he may be good, but you should have seen this guy or different things. And, and you have the conversation of who is the real GOAT? the greatest of all time. And it depends kind of what area you're from or who you want to argue, um, you know, fits that bill. I mean, you, you, if, if you're ready for that conversation, you start laying out stats. You start talking about, well, yeah, but, you know, your guy's good, but. You know, and it, it, you have all these different things, and you talk about key aspects of the game and anything that you can put together to prove your point. And if you're arguing that point, you want to believe. And in some ways, if you're with the right person, you want to argue. And I'd say that many want to worship their guy. their gal which begs the question for us this morning where does Jesus rank in our lives it's along the same line of the question that Jesus when talking with his disciples he asked but who do you say that I am who is it that you really believe me to be? We can talk about the rabbis. We can talk about the, the various Pharisees of, of note and the teachers of days and different things. And, but who do you say that I am? Because in today's passage in Colossians, Paul is answering that very question. Even though it's at the very beginning of the letter and you'd think it'd be in the middle, but at the very beginning, Paul is setting up everything that he's going to write about. Everything hinges on this key passage. It's all anchored to this passage. Paul doesn't take long to get into it. Last week we shared that as he starts this letter, he's writing it and sharing uh, to a community that he had never been to. I was talking to a professor of of mine, and he says, Troy, you need to remember Colossa that he's writing to is Baker City. It's not Portland. It's not Boise. It's not L.A. It's a tiny Not much known about community. It's it's just kind of in its own element. It's it's on the way to other places. It's it's a place that Paul didn't ever venture to. In fact, not much is known because the town was wiped out by an earthquake. And they're still trying to figure out some of the things that was going on, but He's writing to this letter, and he's praying in the midst of it. He says, here's how I am praying for you. I've heard about the things that you do, that that because of the hope that you have, that you share your faith through the loving acts to one another. And I pray for you that you will encounter Christ in a deepening relationship that would spur you on to even more. And that those actions would spur your faith and even deepening your relationship more. And that continue that cycle that God will t- take all and has taken all who believe and will believe and has qualified them to share in the inheritance of all creation through the resurrection. Not by their own actions, not because of things that they wrote, you know, certain checks or did different things or were certain kind of people but because of his own holiness they are all qualified and through him we have been redeemed and given forgiveness of all sins because of the cross and what was paid at the cross now if you remember one of the key reasons that Paul is writing this letter is because uh, the, the founder, what we believe is the founder of this church, has come to Rome, and he's told some stories, and, and he needed Paul's advice, and so Paul sent this letter because it's been reported that there's been some people pushing some false teachings. We don't know exactly what they are, uh, but we can venture to guess that they, weren't, they didn't deny that Jesus existed. They didn't deny that Jesus did some good things and was a good teacher and all those different things, but it it seems like that they may have been teaching that he was not fully God, but that he was more of a highest of series of representations of God, and, and as such he wasn't supreme or even sufficient for the Christian life. And so in response, Paul, he doesn't really, I mean, he he wants to argue, you can tell, but instead he starts to worship. I really want you to get that. So in, in, in contrast to what he's hearing, he decides it's time to worship. The reason he wants to worship is because if you want to catch counterfeits, you don't spend your time just looking and, and studying the false things and all the different false things. No, what you do is you carefully study the real deal. To the point that everything else is 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 Paul exalts Jesus and he lifts him so high that everything else kind of falls away, it diminishes in comparison. So Paul proudly declares who Jesus is in this hymn. So in response, Paul truly worships. And he declares that, first of all, Jesus is the perfect revelation of God the Father. Verse 15. It tells us that he is the image of the invisible God that he made the, the the invisible god visible for us he's fully god and fully man to to raise him as just fully god diminishes what jesus did and to say he's just fully man, that diminishes what God is doing and in, in and through him and, and who he is. And we miss the point if he's just one or the other. He's fully composed in, in both. And this is a revolutionary thought, both for the Greek and the Jew as they hear this letter they they this is this is something new the jews don't quite know what to do with it because they're told very explicitly you know that we are not to have an image of god a graven image and the greek it's just this is kind of philosophical and 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 yet jesus comes and his feet get dirty that god comes and meets with his creation physically, in the person of Jesus. And Jesus declares that he who has seen me has seen the Father. It's not just some coincidence of similarity. He is the exact, perfect representation of God. You want to know what God's like? You look at Jesus. Hebrews 1.3 says he is the radiance of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Ever wonder if God's compassionate? Look to Jesus. Is God sensitive to my needs? Look to Jesus. Does God care about me? Look at Jesus. Jesus is the complete and perfect revelation showing us the Father. This is not a temporary revelation. It says that he is the image of the invisible God, He was. It's not was, it's not or became, but always was, is, and shall be. Paul declares Jesus' exclusivity. That's not an easy word to say. Jesus is not just an image. Man was made in the image of God, but but that He is the image. There is no other perfect image of God except the one that you see in Jesus Christ. But he's also the designer of all creation. You see in verses 15 through 17. And I don't want you to get confused. There's, there, as I was studying, there's a lot of writing about the end of verse 15 when Jesus is described as the firstborn of all creation, over all creation. Although in our world we just talk about the firstborn here mean the first chronologically but it primarily is a reference to rank and position the firstborn in both the Jewish and a Greek culture at this time is the one who had the right to inheritance so here Paul is saying that Jesus is the preeminent source and inheritor of all creation And as we look at verses 16 through 18, we're going to see this provision and explanation of why that is true. Why he is the firstborn. And if we read those verses clearly, it shows that Jesus is the creator, not a creation. He is the architect of creation. It was by him. Creation is his idea. Out of the chaos, out of the complete void, Jesus called into being by his creative power and imagination. All that we know. But not only is it by him, that, but there is no limit to what he created. Look at this. Everything, it says all things, everywhere. It says in heaven and on earth. Even every dimension, it says visible or invisible, are from him. Whether it be massive galaxies light years away or the dust mites beneath your feet. And don't get cringy on that. The all things include what you can see and what you can't see. He conceived them all. And he did it out of nothing. Nothing. It's not that he took matter, he created all matter. The thrones, the dominions, the rulers and the authorities that Paul referred to here, these are all words of power and influence. And it says that they are all under his rule because he is the beginning and the end. Many scholars believe that the false teachers were we're preaching and teaching about this worship of angels. That, that we need to worship that. And, and Paul is saying in, in this, is Jesus created them. They didn't create him. Because he is the owner of creation. It says not only was it made by him, but it was also made for him. Literally for his benefit. Everything exists to show off his glory. And ultimately... It will all of creation will glorify him and be glorified for him. So this this hymn continues is Jesus is not just only the the perfect revelation of of the Father, but and not only the complete designer of creation, but in verse 17, he is also the preexistent sustainer of the universe. Some big words. Basically, Jesus existed before any of creation. And while we're locked in in time and space, God is transcendent. While we're locked into a time frame and a period of history that we understand and kind of think we have a grasp on, God is eternal and has a different perspective. He has the long view. John 1:1 declares: In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God and the word was god. John 8:58 Jesus says before Abraham was I am. So not only is the arch- he the architect, the builder, the owner of creation, he sustains it. He is the atomic glue of the universe. The verb holds together is is in this present tense. Which means that Jesus is continually holding it all together. In in Christ, the integrity is sound. There's no bailing wire, no super glue needed. Christ has it and it keeps it. And, And he has kept it, he is keeping it, and he will keep it together. And it's out of that understanding... That Christ holds it all together. That he has this bigger picture and understanding that Paul gives us the basis for for the Christ-shaped understanding of how the church is formed and sustained. So we go from understanding of all of creation that we see and maybe not even see, but that's that's all this natural stuff into an understanding of of the spiritual side that, that God's got that too. He is the preeminent head of the church. Verses 15-17 show us the Lord of the universe. 18-20 through sees him the Lord of the church. If we had had any misunderstanding of the church's creation and why it exists, Paul wants to clarify and do away with any confusion. And so he challenges them to see this unique relationship uh, that that is beginning to Jesus Christ. The church challenges us to see and he wants us to understand this unique relationship. We are bound together in Christ and it's not just a social construct. The church does not exist to be a country club of those who are in and those who are out. To separate The the church from Christ is to devalue its complete and significant placement in the world as God's holy representation that all are welcome because of Christ. The church is here, now, in the midst of God's creation because we have a reason to be here. We are a vital representation of a God that is continually active in and through the midst of his creation. Without Christ at the very center, in the complete focus at all circumstances, the church becomes a social club that it was never meant to be. We are not here to entertain. We're not here just to play games and hear good music. We're not here just to take up an hour or two on a week. We're here for a reason. We are here because Christ has called us. We are part of the body of believers. Not just this, but all of creation is, part, is, is called into God, and believers participate in, in what we always seem to get, and Paul loves using this understanding of the body. Believers participate in an image identified as Christ's body, but Jesus is the head. We may be feet, toes, nose, and all the other parts, but Jesus is the head. It denotes an understanding that it is of honor and authority is his alone. So in everything that the church does, he he is to have sovereign control. Everyone serves under him. The word is preached in him, under him, and before him. The the church gathers and worships with him as the leader and the object of our affection and praise and is sent out as representation of his love. As the body, our job is to be obedient. That's what health looks like when everything's working together. A body without a head is a corpse, we're simply dead without Christ. The church, this is the ch- Christ's church and Christ's ministry. We, the church, are instituted and we're redeemed not to do our own thing, not to worship ourselves, but to participate in Christ's mission and to be under his authority and his kingdom, not to make our own. This is the way it was from the very beginning, but when you look at it as the whole story, you, un- you begin to better understand that sin is a rejection of God's rule and authority. So when, when we sin, we reject God's leadership, and, and that disobedience produces conflict and sickness that's created by our own selfish desires. So Christ has come, Into all of creation to restore, to redeem, and to bring health through his death and his resurrection. He is the beginning and the ruler of all those that will experience resurrection. And you may wonder why. Well, Paul has a purpose to share. There's a purpose clause here in verse 18. It's so that. The purpose of Christ reigning as king of creation and Christ ruling as head of the church through his resurrection is that we that he might have first place in all things. It's supremacy. It's centrality. It, it, it's, he, that Christ didn't just walk, just talk the talk. He literally walked the walk. He put his life and his love on the line. He proved why he is supreme. The He throughout this passage is isn't just a mild He; it's an emphatic He. Christ has unshared supremacy. He alone is in charge, not the angels or men. He alone. He is permanent in in. Above all others. He is in a class by himself. He is in first place. The complete fullness of God in and through Christ makes him without equal. It's not enough for Christ just to be present and to be, well, there he is. It's not enough for him to, there but not prominent. He must be preeminent. He must be all. The resurrection of Jesus Christ was so that he and only he might be seen and savored, recognized and relished, exalted and enjoyed as the sovereign Lord, the one whom all things were made and to whom all praise should be given. There is no partial anything here. There, through all creation, both in nature and over the church, we find that all of God's fullness Is in Christ. The fullness of God means that His Word, His Wisdom, His Glory, His Spirit, and His Power are on full display in and through the person of Jesus Christ so that all things might be reconciled to Himself. Peace is attained and established forever because Jesus came, He lived among His creation, He got His feet dirty. He walked and he talked. He taught and he lived. But it didn't end there. He died a sacrificial death, not on his own or because of his own. He died a sacrificial death for you and me. The price was paid that through his blood in his sacrifice, our salvation, our freedom would be paid. That we would live in response to that. And because of his resurrection, we will experience resurrection for those that believe in Christ Jesus. Peace is attained and established forever because Jesus came. The price was paid. Redemption involves bringing liberty to a captive, and it's usually done through payment of a price. Paul outlined the breadth of this reconciliation that Christ provides. It isn't just for one race. It's not just for one nationality. Anything that man might try to put up as borders of the ins and the outs. It's for it's complete. And it involves all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven. This reconciliation, this made rightness between man and God is all encompassing. However, it's clear that while it's available to the Jew and Gentile alike. We, each, must accept it. We must receive it. All of humanity at some point has to make a choice of who is Lord in their lives. And sadly, there are those that will not accept Jesus Christ to be fully Lord of their lives. God's settled purpose is for us But yet Romans 1:18 says that some people suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Romans 1:24 and 25 says, "Therefore God also gave them up in their lusts of their hearts to uncleanness, that their bodies should be dishonored among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and worshipped and served the Creator, I mean the creature rather than the Creator you and I each have a choice. This morning and every morning, each and every day, Paul wants everyone to know what creation already declares, that Jesus Christ is Lord over all. He is supreme and without comparison. His preeminent overall creation is the undisputed leader. And God's settled purpose that is that he himself will come to have first place in everything. As we talked about before, Philippians 2 declares, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee would bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So the question you and I must answer, and I, and I mean that, we must answer. We, we do it in multiple ways, but we must answer this question, does he have first place in your life right now? Or is he just an attachment? Is he something that just helps you think you you look better on the outside? Or is he your all in all? Is he the greatest of all time in your life? Does he have first place over your thought life? Does he have first place over your words? Does he have first place over how you use your time? Does he have first place over how you use your finances? Does he have first place over your entertainment? Does he have first place in your relationships and how you relate to your spouse and to your kids? Does he have a first place in how you raise your family? Does he have everything that makes you you in your life? Is it put at the feet of Jesus? Not that he wants to take it away, but he can't bless it if you don't give it. He can't be Lord of all if you keep something back. Only you can answer that question. And only you can declare it right now. Jesus Christ is Lord. Let me say that again. Jesus Christ is Lord. If you have any questions, if you want to know where I stand, Jesus Christ is Lord. We should be worshiping. Not sitting in our seats. Jesus Christ is Lord. My hope is completely found not in my own self, not in my own some goodness, some badness. My hope is only found as I relate to Jesus Christ. And I put it all at his feet. And I say, God, it's yours. It's not mine. Do with me what you will. As Jesus even said as he prayed, Father, not my will, but yours and as we do that as we know what begins in here and in here it starts to emanate in our life as we, as we it works its way down from the head into our hearts and out in our lives and as we live in the community not just on Sunday but every second of every minute of every hour of every day Of every week, of every month, are you tracking with me? Of every year, is Jesus Christ Lord of your life? Would you just close your eyes with me? I need you to answer that question. Who's Lord of your life? If there be someone here today that's been wondering, been trying to figure things out, maybe you've known it for a while, maybe you've pl- tried playing the game, maybe you're just still thinking, but who's Lord of your life? Scripture tells us it's as simple. I understand it's not always so simple, but it's as simple as ABC. That we accept that we are sinners, that we stand before a holy God and we are not, that we believe in the sacrifice that Jesus died on the cross for us, that he paid the price. that he rose again to claim resurrection for all creation. That we confess our sins. God, I stand guilty before you. And I ask for your forgiveness. I don't always know and don't do well. But God, forgive me. Scripture tells us that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and all unrighteousness. Heavenly Father, as we come before you today, I want to declare you are Lord of my life. From beginning to end, I give to you. Lord, as we are gathered here, we each make a choice right now. And we stand before you in this moment and we declare that you are Lord. If there be someone here, Lord, that's trying to figure these things out, May they have the courage to place their life, their questions at your feet. May they accept that you are God and you've done all that's needed. And in response, we can expect and have the hope, the joy, the peace that comes with knowing that your love has given us eternal life and God we thank you for you your sacrifice as we continue in worship today Lord may we honor you well may we thank you well for your faithfulness for your provision that you are Lord and creator you are our sustainer the author of life that you spoke all things out of the creative void and nothingness and because of that love for us we have today and the gift to live for you for always